episode 21. Um, we lost. Heart and Hustle podcast. Nick Runowitz here. Scott Inez is with me. Chris Crawford making his triumphant return to the three-man weave here that we're working on the Heart and Hustle pod. If you are listening to us for the first time, I'm Nick Gronowitz. You can hear me weekdays on ESPN 580 Orlando with Scott and As. You can hear him 4 to 6 on ESPN 580, 96.5 FM HD 2. Chris Crawford, you can hear him on with us in Saturday mornings on the Fan Zone as well. Uh, we're going to get into the Magic's season-ending loss last night. They lose in five games in the NBA playoffs to... The Toronto Raptors take a small look at the offseason, and we'll have plenty of other podcasts to kind of dive into that as well. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can get Scotty at Inez Says, me at ESPN 580 Neck, and Chris Crawford at ESPN 580CC. And if you are listening for the first time, please subscribe, rate, review, do all that stuff. Unsubscribe, re-rate, review, the whole thing, resubscribe. Uh, and uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever, whatever, anywhere you can find this uh, podcast. You can you can basically find us part of the Orlando Magic Pinstripe Post Network here. All right, guys. Uh, listen, I mean, this is this is a little painful um, because let's look at how far we've come since that game one win, the DJ Augustine uh, yeah. game winning three. The Magic lose the next four in a row including last night's shellacking. Toronto wins 115-96. The Raptors started off on, what, a 9-0, 11-0 run or something. Kyle Lowry had the game's first nine points. And the Magic just were, they were never in this game. They gave us a little run in the first half to get it to 11. Mm. And you were thinking, okay, here we go. And the Toronto tidal wave just kept coming. 31-7, to good or bad, guys? Not good. Not oh, good. Oh, my God. I, I, I was am... wondering whether or not we were going to score 10 points in that yeah, quarter. I was, too. I, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I am angry. Um, Let because it out, yesterday, Let it out. I mean, yesterday on the show, we were talking about how this Magic team is going to come out and fight. And even though I picked the Raptors to win last night's game, you thought they were going to come out and show the, the resolve that they had shown. Uh, throughout the second half of the season, there was no resolve whatsoever last night. So I came away with a number of hot takes from last night. Number one, this is why I am now picking the Toronto Raptors to win uh, the Eastern Conference and get into the NBA Finals. They're really, really good. I think this series win by the Raptors says much more about Toronto and how well they played instead of how poorly the Orlando Magic played. Now, yes, did the Magic play poorly? Absolutely they did, but I think Toronto had much, much to do with that. Yeah, I I, I think it'd be really easy here to just say, okay, they capitulated yeah. and they kind of gave in. And ter- well, you I saw think, it on Twitter, right? They quit and they rolled see, over I just, and they played dead. I still didn't think last night's team quit. I saw them fight. It's just Toronto's a better team. And I know, like, I, Chris, you watched the whole game too. And you really, the reason why I'm going to ask you is because Scott and I have been echoing back and forth on this. Did you see quitting those guys last night? I just I saw a lot of frustration. I just didn't I, I, see any yeah, quit. Yeah, it was frustration. I mean, they didn't they didn't necessarily quit and roll over in the sense of things. They I didn't, see a they team didn't, that brought a knife yeah. to to a yeah, to exactly. a nuclear no, war. They didn't, here. they didn't hit like Milwaukee Bucks level where they lost. We're losing by fifty five at one point in that game against the Pistons. They just they just I think I think they just hit frustration. And I mean, I guess it could you could phrase it as quitting just because I think they realized once it got down to. 31 to 7. I think they all kind of looked around and were like, well, they could put they get it down to 11. They got it down to 11 and then yeah. Toronto yeah. went and hit two more two more threes back to back and I think that was kind of the the backbreaking point in that game where yeah. even I was sitting there and I was you know it was like, ah, eh. even the little bit of hope I got from that getting it down to 11 just 
went out the window. I actually was like, that's as close as we're going to get this game the rest of the way. And I think a lot of the players thought that same thing. I just think they played the rest of the game out. I don't think they quit, though. Um, your bench, but I mean, not your bench. I'm sorry. You didn't get your first three until your 12th attempt. It was an Evan Fournier three. You went one for 12 to start. The Magic shoot nine of 34 from three. Uh, we'll get into the offseason, but I think this tells us exactly what we all knew. You have to go looking for some shooting during the offseason. I don't care where you find it, but this team did not have enough guys that could make the outside bucket and make it easier on the interior guys and the guys that need to get to the rim, guys like Nick Vucevic and Devin Fournier, uh, in order to you know kind of space out that Toronto defense. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we said it, Nick, and, and CC? it's like the playoffs bring out your glaring weaknesses, and that's exactly what this first round against Toronto brought out. It, it I was actually stunned by the way the Raptors totally dominated the Orlando Magic on both ends of the court. Like, we knew going in, again, we knew going in, Toronto was a really good offensive basketball team. But defensively, I didn't know they were as, they had that, different level they had that extra level that you need to get to in playoff basketball um look the Raptors did everything they wanted to do offensively defensively uh they made it look easy in shutting down our two main weapons and and, and Nick Vucevic and and Terrence Ross they made it look easy it it made it 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 kind of felt like that first game of the series was their wake-up call you know we talked about how the Raptors kind of cruise controlled into the playoffs this year And they got caught off guard in that first game. And I think what we saw to the Raptors the last three games is a better example of what we're going to see out of the Raptors going forward versus what we saw in game one. I think that as great as that win was for the Magic and as fun as that was, I think that game was somewhat of an anomaly for that Raptors team. And uh, based off the way that the Sixers played in their series, while they did get better down the stretch, that could be could be a pretty quick series for well, look, Toronto. And, and, and I know we're all concentrated on what happened last night, but in the end, you got to, don't you have to at some point in time, and I know it's very difficult for us Magic fans to do, but don't you have to at some point look at this from 30,000 feet, have some perspective, sure. go back to October, knowing where we were at this time last year. Remember this time last year, on this day. Oh, no, actually, on the day after the season ended, the yeah. regular season after ended. After beating Washington, they're firing Frank Vogel. Right. Aaron Gordon sitting there saying, we need a coach that can hold us accountable. You and I are screaming from the rafters <laughs> that they shouldn't fire Frank Vogel, right. which I will gladly say I, I guess I was wrong about. I, I still don't know. I think Frank Vogel could have done similar te- things with this team when healthy, but Steve Clifford has been a special addition to this organization, but here we are a year later, and we're upset the team didn't go further in the playoffs. Yeah. We've we have we've come a, a very long way, and I think the perspective on the season needs to be there. You know, our guy Tilo on Twitter was was tweeting us yesterday mm-hmm. about how he felt about this team and the fact that he's disappointed in the short term, but in the long term, understands they had a better year yeah. than we all could have hoped. Yeah, I I, I think Tilo was absolutely right. And and look, Tilo is one of our guys on Twitter, right? He's a very emotional guy, and during a game, you you, you have to talk him off the ledge at times. But in the end, I think. He kind of got what we Magic fans need to get as we progress here into the offseason. This is a darn good season for the Orlando Magic, and it was much needed. I think we need to look at the big picture. You know, I think we look at the playoff experience that the Orlando Magic got here in five games against Toronto. Our young guys, especially a Jonathan Isaac, but but other guys like like Nick Vucevic and Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier and DJ Augustine, they all saw up close and personal how you need – to raise your level of play 
come playoff time. That to me is invaluable, CC. Yeah, it was. It's something that I've talked to Nick about before, and the fact that it may almost have been a better situation for this Magic team to get run out of the building in three of these five games because it really does show you what level of play you need to take it to. For a guy like Nick Vucevic, who was a first-time All-Star, you were, I'm not going to say he was a fake All-Star because you deserve that All-Star, but you see what the other All-Stars on the court did in this series right. and how they took their play and elevated it to another level where you weren't able to elevate it to that level. He now sees what he needs to do to take that next step next year. They can use this and use the shellackings that they took in this series as kind of like a blueprint yeah. for what they need to do next year. Because as great as that run was, you can win, what was it, 21, 22 of your last 31 games. You can go 22 and 9 to close out the series, the season, but... Everything changes once those those playoff it games does. start, and it, it is really a different does. ball game. It really, it's a new season. That's right. what we always say, right? It's the NBA it second season, and it doesn't matter what you did the first 82 games. If you draw the Toronto Raptors, and Chris, you and I had a feeling this is what was going to happen. Yeah. We did. We wanted no part of Toronto. I didn't throw the final game. I would have yeah. rather played Milwaukee. I would have rather played Philadelphia. I wanted no part of Toronto, and, and this is why. But you make a really good point, Chris. We're going to find out whether or not this team – is happy or hungry mm -hmm. during the offseason. This time next year or early next year, or beginning of the season, we're going to find out. Was Aaron Gordon happy they mm -hmm. made the playoffs or was he hungry? Yeah. I listened to his post game last night. Sounded like Aaron Gordon was hungry. Mm -hmm. The first thing he said when our guy Dante Marcatelli on Fox Sports Florida asked him to reflect on the game in the series, he said, I'm disappointed. I want to win. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that the first words out of Aaron Gordon's mouth wasn't, we had a good season yeah. because I listened to Aaron Gordon for five years say, well, we tried hard, but yeah. we just didn't win. We're going to find out, is Aaron Gordon happy or hungry? Is Evan Fournier happy or hungry? Nick Vucevic, happy or hungry? And I Jonathan think Nick, Isaac, oh, yes. you go on down the line. You're I absolutely think Nick right. Vucevic is a very intriguing guy to watch if the organization brings him back. Let's assume they bring him back really quick uh, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare our guy Vooch to the guy that hit that 39-footer that won the game last night for Portland as we're recording this, Damian Lillard. 30-37. Yeah, you, you gave him a Good little shot. too much credit there, Nick. It was 37 feet. He but... stepped to the right in the okay. last minute. All he right. started at the 39-foot mark. Regardless. When you're shooting it further from 35 <laughs> feet, does it really matter <laughs> it at that really point? It's still yet. miraculous. Good yeah. shot or bad shot, by the way? Good My shot. goodness. For him? It went in. For him? Good shot. And okay. I can't believe I'm saying that, but for him... And for Damian Lillard and for Steph Curry, maybe for nobody else in the league, but for those two guys... Good shot. Yeah, for him, good shot. It went in for Paul George. Bad soundbite. Did not sound good. No, didn't at all. Let me get back to Vooch because at this time last year, Damian Lillard got swept by the New Orleans Pelicans. He got completely embarrassed, completely shut down. People were asking the same questions about Absolutely. him that I think we're all asking about Vooch. Okay, was it a regular season product? Was it good stats on an above average team? Yeah. Is it a guy that's limited once he gets to the postseason? I want Nick Vucevic, just like Damian Lillard, to spend the entire offseason. If you watch those games, they talked about how Lillard watched every single possession in that series yep. and figured, okay, how are they shading me defensively? What do I need to do to get better mm -hmm. in order to perform at the highest level in the postseason? You saw from Damian Lillard last night, yep. and I want Nick Vucevic every day of the offseason to wake up, yep. take care of his young son, take care of his family, and then start watching that Hulk Marcus Gasol guarding him to yep. figure out, what do I need to add to my game in order to be better in the postseason? I think he's a guy that is going to take this loss the most personally because last night 
He went out not like a lion, but like a lamb. Six yeah. points. He had the early fouls. He was 3 of 10 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. He was a minus 25 in 17 minutes. This was an embarrassing series for Nick Vujovic. He never really got it going outside of Serge Ibaka covering him for a 9 to 12 minute span in Game 3. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think if he gets up every day and watches film of that series, I think we're all going to be better off for it. And we spoke with Stan Van Gundy on ESPN Afternoons with Skadanez. Uh, or earlier today, mm-hmm. and uh, he was saying the same thing, how not only the coaching staff, he knows the coaching staff will look at each and every play of that series, but how the individual players right. who are going to be back, and we don't know if Nick Vucevic is going to be back uh, next year, but but how the Nick Vuceviches and the Evan Fourniers and, and all these guys need to – to, to take a look at every single play that happened in this series and learn from it. And I know I've mentioned it here on the Heart and Hustle pod before, but I guys, I go back to 94. I mean, here you had a young basketball team with Shaq and Penny and 3D uh, and Nick Anderson, and they're just having the time of their lives and they get into the playoffs in 94, and, and they're swept out of the playoffs in the first round by the Indiana Pacers. After that season... There was a certain seriousness. Now, that team was not totally serious with Shaq being at the helm, but there was a certain seriousness about that young basketball team the following year that you did not see in 1993-94. And the hope is is that you get that chip on, whatever you want to call it, a seriousness, a chip on the shoulder, a a Damian Lillard-sized uh, I, I don't know, boulder on the shoulder. I have no idea what you call it, but a certain a seriousness. Foot a 37-foot boulder, absolutely. I think what you hope as a Magic fan is you see that seriousness in this particular basketball team next year and learning what it takes to get to that next level in the playoffs. You guys saw it up close and personal. I'm glad you did because, CC, since you've been here, you've never been to the playoffs no. with the Orlando Magic. No. Nick, uh, Nick went to, to the uh, the playoff game the other night, had never Friday. been to an NBA playoff yeah. game. If you and have the me means, to, by the way, please stop by an NBA playoff game. It's awesome. Fun. Yeah, I mean, it, fun. it really is. It's it's awesome. So it's not only Dude awesome. Dude in front of us wouldn't sit down. But I, 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 I get that. I get that. But it's, it's not only awesome for the fans. It's awesome for the players. But there is a certain level you need to get to. And for me to say it on the radio each and every day, who cares? Yeah. For the coach to, to tell them, well, listen, guys, you need to get to this next level because that's what the playoffs are all about. Until you experience it for yourself, you have no idea what it's all about. And that's and that's why I say it's a good thing that they kind of got beat down pretty bad in three yeah. of the five games because I'd rather them have to build from that mentality than to have played a close series, maybe like a seven-game series where they end up you know, back and forth games, a lot of games coming down to the wire because then the mentality then is, we're right there. And, you know, we, we don't need to work on as much because we competed with the second best team in the East. If the ball bounces a different, a couple of different ways, then we win that series and we're in the second round. But when you get beat down that bad and you lose that badly, the mentality that you have isn't going to be we're right there. It's we're not even close to being there. Right. And we all, each and every one of us, have a lot of work to do. And let's get to work right now. And I hope that's the mentality that they're all having. And, right I, now. and I agree, Chris. And, and to your point about ending the previous six years, the way they did. Yeah. You know, most of these guys are just wanting to get to the end of the regular season. So hopefully that attitude this year will be, we got a lot of work to do and let's get to it. Right. Especially after years and years of not being close, you know, like they weren't even close to a playoff team over the last seven years. 
And then your mentality going into the next year isn't really, oh, we're so close. It's, oh, we're so far away. And then you have a season like this where you kind of take everyone by surprise and you actually do make the playoffs. And then to get humbled in the first round, it still gives you that mentality of we still have work to do. There's still more to do. And that even though we surprised everyone this year, we got to come back and do it again. And then we got to be even better in the playoffs. Right. Absolutely. It, and it's a different game. Totally different game, Nick. So I uh, anything else left on, on the series, I guess? I mean, I think we were all really high on Toronto after this because they just beat our team and we liked our team too. Um, that Toronto team looks like it's going to uh, be a monster for Philadelphia uh, to play in the next round. And love, we'll see where that ends love up. Love these Eastern Conference semis, by the way. You've got the four best teams in the yeah, East, you know, obviously, as, right? As, as nice as it would have been for the Magic to pull off an upset, yeah. I low, I you know, I think deep down, it would have ruined heart, the second round. Let's be honest, it wouldn't have been as good. But the fact that we get, you know, Celtics and Bucks, we get Eric Bledsoe and Terry Rozier part two, yeah, and you get the Sixers. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. The Drew Bledsoe the series. Drew Bledsoe <laughs> series, and then we get the Sixers, and you get um, the Raptors. And I mean, the Sixers clearly get on the nerves of every team that they play. So that will be a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's take a quick look. I know we have a lot of time to get into this. I mean, and and I we've talked about this many times. I'm a prisoner of the moment. I want to ask all the questions about tomorrow, today, and get into it. But let's take a quick look a little bit at the offseason because though it feels like this team is just starting something, the roster, the salaries, the way this team is put together – really isn't in a position where you're just starting something. You have guys on different timelines. You have you just locked up Aaron Gordon. You have Jonathan Isaac heading into year three. Mo Bamba injured in his rookie season. Markel Fultz is sitting somewhere in perpetuity somewhere. I don't know where he is necessarily. And you have a big offseason in front of you for Jeff Weltman and John Hammond where they're going to have to make some decisions that are going to affect this team, not just in the short term, but in the long term, namely with Nick Vucevic and Terrence Ross. Yeah. Now, the question about this team has been, all right, so what's the salary cap space situation? Um, fortunately, our guy Danny LaRue for The Athletic wrote about this because I'm a moron when it comes to salary <laughs> cap space because you and I were talking about this before we went on to tape, and I was like, no, I think we have $32 million worth of room. <laughs> when in reality, if you bring back Vooch and Ross, you have no room. Right. Um, if you let them both walk, you have about $19 million, which is basically nothing yeah. in the NBA offseason landscape where you can't go looking for a big-time free agent. And keep in so, mind, you can sign your own free agents without and go over regard the cap. to the cap. Yes, Correct. I mean, yeah. you can sign your guys and go over. That's why you can bring Ross right. and Vooch back. Um, how do I want to put this, phrase this question, I guess? Uh, where do we want to start here? Do we want to start, with, start with Vooch? Yeah, let's start with Vooch, who, as I just mentioned, went out very quietly in this series after an outstanding season in his 28-year-old season where he made the All-Star team for the first time uh, and really seemed to come into his own as a player. Um, in a perfect world, Nick and CC, you want to bring back Nick Vucevic and Terrence Ross, right? In a perfect world, you want to bring back those guys. They had banner years. T. Ross, the first reserve ever to hit on 200-plus threes. Guy coming off the bench, and Nick Vucevic makes the all-star team for the first time. So, ideally, you want to bring those two guys back. Um, Vooch, I'd love to see him back. If I were king for a day or a week or a year at one magic place, I would bring a Nick Vucevic back. But you do also have to realize that this is not a perfect world that we're living in. This, this is the imperfect world of the salary-capped NBA. OK, and you also have to realize that there is a guy sitting on the bench for most of the second half of the season that you drafted rather high in the draft last year in Mo Bamba. 
obviously Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are tied to Mobamba in some form or fashion. Now, does that mean that they wouldn't consider trading Mobamba in the future? No, absolutely not. But considering where Jonathan Isaac was at this year last year, at this time last year, and considering where he is this year, even though he had a, a rather rough playoff series against Toronto. You want to see what Mo Bamba gives you in terms of development in the offseason. You want to see what he gives you in terms of the summer league coming up. Uh, you you want to see a, a higher motor with Mo Bamba this offseason going into next season as well. So I don't think right now, obviously, you, you don't like the idea of Nick Vucevic become a free agent this year. You would have liked that next year. You would have liked to have had the luxury of, of seeing what Mo Bama could give you next year. You don't have that luxury. So you have to make a decision now. Nick Vucevic made the all-star team. And he made the all-star team for a reason. And I know he had a very difficult playoff series against Toronto. But to me, with Vuce, it's all about learning from your mistakes in the playoffs and moving on. Uh, I think you have to bring back Nick Vucevic regardless of Mo Bamba and where he is in his development. Now, can you sign Nick Vucevic to a team-friendly contract? That's all going to depend upon the market. I can tell you this, Nick Vucevic really didn't impress a whole lot of people in that Toronto series, which may which may be a good thing for the Orlando Magic and Jeff Weltman in the future. But to me, I know the timing is not right, but you've got to bring back Nick Vucevic and and how much how much is he going to command on the open market? I have absolutely no idea. But to me, you've got to bring him back. See what Mo Bamba can give you next year, and then make a decision going forward from there. By the way, a quick update on this cap space situation: If you do let Vooch and Ross go, you can get somewhere between twenty and thirty million dollars in cap space. But I just don't think that that's even something that the Magic are going to consider mm-hmm. doing. Chris, Mel, what about you? I mean, the Vucevic question is one. I think Scott makes a really good point about him looking as bad as he could look in this series, which yeah. is great. But there's always going to be a desperate set of team that you know, sub, a subset of teams that you know they whiff on the first couple of guys. Nick Vucevic is going to become. I think the Lakers are one of those teams. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say. I think the team that I would be most worried about swooping in and offering a bigger deal would be the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that is desperate desperate to make big free agent signings this summer and it's looking like they may not even get their top guys they have considering in which case I think they will overpay for some other lower class free agents that they may not necessarily be interested in with that being said I think that Vooch likes it here I think Vooch wants to stay here right um I think the fact the possibility of going out to California where he's kind of loved always went to, and USC. Went to USC there I think that is an alluring thing for him but I think he's found a home here in Orlando, and I think if there's some way you can build a similar contract to that of Aaron Gordon, you can kind of create a situation where you're grooming Bamba for the future and you're kind of hedging your bet with Mo Bamba by giving Vucevic a contract that pays more up front now and less down the road because if Bamba does grow into fruition, you could do something like the Denver Nuggets did with Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic where Nurkic was the guy there for two, three Mm -hmm. years and then in his third or fourth year with Denver, they realized that Nikola Jokic, who at that point was in his third season with them, they're like, okay, this, this guy is definitely the guy that we want to focus on. We can get a decent haul for you 
for Nurkic and then Jokic is our guy going forward. And that's worked out wonders for them. If there's a situation like that, the match can work out where Vucevic takes on more money up front and less on the back end. So that way it can help create space for Bamba down the road. Should he be ready to go? I don't see Bamba making the same kind of jump that Jonathan Isaac made this year. I think Bamba's jump, if it were to happen, would be not in this next season, but the following season, which is why I think if you can get Vucevic on a upfront deal, that would be more beneficial for the team going forward. And if there's a way you can get Ross in there too, I think you got to make a run at Ross yeah, too. bring them all back. I bring them all back. I've said it countless times. It's one of the things that I think is bring extremely underrated in NBA in the, in sports in general is consistency, continuity, bringing the same roster back and bring the same people back, having the same coaching staff. It's something that plagues a lot of teams. It's something that was a problem here in Orlando over the last seven years during the Rob Hennigan era, because he was the guy who was scrambling to make moves, especially over the last three years of his time here, whether it was trading away, Vic trading away, Tobias trading for Serge, trading surge away for, Oh no, that was did Weltman trade for Ross. No, no, that, no, was, that, was, that was Rob Hennigan. Right. That was Rob Hennigan's Actually, last. Actually, Weltman traded Ross. Tra- yeah, <laughs> Weltman. Tra- yeah, exactly. Right. But it was. But it was. Oh, a, yeah. But it was. It was a. Not, it was. It was a. It was move after move after move. Once he got desperate, and I don't think that's how you win in the NBA. I think building something and building something consistent is how you develop something great. You look at some of the best teams in the NBA this year. Yes, the Toronto Raptors did get rid of Demar Derozan, but when somebody calls you with a Kawhi Leonard, you take that phone call. Mm-hmm. But you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that has kept that core together for the most part over the last three or four years and look what it's built into. You look at the Denver Nuggets, a team that also has kept that core together and look what that has turned into. I think the Orlando Magic can follow those blueprints and kind of build something like a Denver Nuggets, like a Toronto Raptors, and even the Portland Trailblazers, another team who has stuck by their guns and Mm -hmm. said, we're not everyone. How many people were calling for trading CJ McCollum at the end of last year? Myself included, because I said it did not work with Damian Lillard and CJ in the backcourt. Well, guess what? It worked. It worked really, really, really well this year. And look where they are going. They're going on the in the NBA playoffs. They're moving on after beating the gentleman's sweep with the o- Oklahoma City Thunder. So I think if you look at those blueprints of teams that have built that success and have turned that corner more recently than not, it takes two, three, four years, which I get Magic fans don't necessarily want to wait that long, but you got to be patient with this. And if you can build a consistent roster, something that you bring back year after year, the same guys, I think that's how you rebuild in the NBA today. And that's the only way you can compete with these super teams. Um, I I, I agree with your point on Portland. I'll disagree with Milwaukee. Giannis and Chris Middleton have been there. Bledsoe's been there two seasons. Brooke Lopez is new this year. George Hill is new this year. Nikola Miritich is new this year. They've got a lot of new guys the, but the, a lot, No, there. but a lot of the guys. DJ Wilson was a guy they drafted and they have brought up. Malcolm Brogdon ago. was a guy they drafted and they brought up. Yes, you can sign free agents out there and sign little free agents, but they have not made drastic Pat moves. Pat Connaughton is new this year, is he not? But, I the, mean, but it's not drastic moves, Nick. I'm no, not no, saying, no, I'm, you're, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm, you can make these little free agent signings and stuff. The Magic are going to have to do that. But I'm saying that the best way to do that is to bring back as many guys as you possibly have can. Have core perfect, players. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, in a I mean, like, I'm not, dis, I'm not yeah. disagreeing. What I'm saying yeah. is they have four guys that have really been together for three seasons. Right, or more. and the Raptors have brought in new guys too. But I'm sure. saying you get three, four, five, six key guys and keep returning that same roster. That's the way to do cool. this. Cool. Then, then let's do it this way. Who are those four or five guys for Orlando that you want to see as a core to stay together? Then is it the starting five that we have right now? Is well, that I, what it I, is? I think, no. I, I think the X factor in that question is Markel, Markel Fultz, right? right. Yeah. And let's let's I guess let's get to Markel Fultz here because that's the other big piece during the offseason. It's Vooch, it's Ross, and okay, so can Markel Fultz play basketball or not? Well, that's because the question. That's what, the question. What do, you, what, what do you do here now? If yeah. if he can play, you got him for 
you know, a song and a dance, basically. And if you can't, then you still have a huge question to the point guard position. And you have a really big decision, I think, to make with Michael Carter-Williams, who I yeah. really liked this I'd year. I'd love to see Even him though back. he's limited as a shooter and this yeah. team is limited on shooting, I liked MCW. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I think he's done a fantastic job. We talked about Mo Bamba and his development being critical in the offseason. Even more critical than that is the development of Markel Fultz. Can he play basketball? We don't know the answer to that question because so far he has not been able to play basketball at the NBA level for whatever reason, whether it is truly the shoulder, whether it is physical, whether it is mental. Um, We don't know the answer to that question. Um, We're going to find out this summer. We're going to find out early next season whether he has – uh, you know, um, whether he has the stuff to play at this level, I will say this. I think we've got one shot at this and one shot only because I do fear that it is mental with Markel Fultz. I know there are a lot of people around the league who would agree with me. And if it is mental, if it is in his head, if he does have the yips, you believe it's mental. I, I, it's my opinion. It's my opinion that was there something physical going on with him? Probably. Did it turn into a mental thing? I believe that it did. Uh, when when you're shooting free throws like that, that kid did earlier uh, in the season, uh, and I saw it here in Orlando, it ain't pretty. So you're going to have to get that kid right mentally. How long does it take? No clue. Absolutely no clue. I mean, you know, listening to the kid that he wants to play starting next year, but this may take a while. And Jeff Weltman is a very patient individual, as we all have come to learn. He is very patient. He is very cautionary. And he is going to take this in steps because he knows he's out, he has one shot at this. Because if Markel Fultz comes back and he's shooting air balls from the free throw line again, that's probably the last time you're ever going to see that. Like, I, I don't think you'll ever get this kid back with all the media attention surrounding him. So... That is, that is going to be, Nick, and I know you say, okay, who are core guys? Markel Fultz could be a core guy in the future. You don't know, but I'll start with Markel Fultz and, and work my way down. I think Nick Vucevic should be a guy that you're looking mm-hmm. towards next year. Uh, I'd certainly a Jonathan Isaac and an Aaron Gordon, two young guys, uh, coming back next year being your so-called core. Um, depending on what happens at the point guard spot. You know, D.J. Augustine, look, I mean, I, he had a great game This was one, the best-case scenario season for D.J. Augustine. He was, he was, he played he's, in no, he's one of those. Games. He's one of those tiny, low-key, important players yeah, that absolutely. I would like to see in the match. Li- oh, I'd love see to him see him finish, back. I'd like to see him finish his career in Orlando absolutely. Magic Absolutely. Whether wow. Marco Fultz is ready or not, just DJ Augustine is, is, is a great is, insurance yeah. policy. Well, especially if Markel Fultz is wow. ready to go, because DJ Augustine would be an incredible backup and a guy that could kind of coach him along. Yeah. As DJ Augustine's a guy that's been in the league yeah, for a long he's time. He's got another year left on his deal. Yep. There's no doubt that DJ Augustine is going to be back next season unless he needs to be, unless he's packaged in a trade or something well, like that. But Terrence I would expect Ro- him back. You have to include Terrence Ross, hopefully, in on that core. A guy who, to me, is sitting outside of that core right now. We talked about it yesterday on ESPN 580 is Evan Fournier. Yeah, that's actually that's the that's the one guy I think that I would I would be totally okay with kind of letting him go, you know, figuring I, I out think, a different situation. I for think him. CC, I think we saw in this series that Evan is what he is. He's a good basketball player, but he cannot elevate to where you need him to get to like take over a basketball game. I think we knew that going into this series, 
But Evan at times was dreadful in this series. You talk about wide open one looks of twelve in game long. three. Holy cow! Right, and he was—he's a guy that tries to get himself going more than playing off his teammates. And you already. So have- I want you to bring this up, Chris, because you brought this up on Monday night with Nick and Company on ESPN five eighty. Um, and we had a caller call in yep. and bring up the point that he felt like Evan Fournier was freezing Terrence Ross out out during game there four. Was, there was a play last night in the game where Evan Fournier drove in the lane and had three guys collapse on him. Terrence Ross is wide open in the corner. The ball gets blocked out of bounds. It stays the magic way. But I remember you see the play. Terrence Ross in the corner, put his hands up and kind of shake his head yeah, I do in disappointment. That. And yeah. it's something that Evan Fournier has done in the last two, three years. Uh, it was an issue with Aaron Gordon a lot last year. From what I've heard is that Evan Fournier necessarily is, he's a guy that wants to get himself going. Evan Fournier is a me player, not a we player. I mean, it's just something that I see happen in the games, something that I see happen when I watch him play. And it's that at times he puts his head down and he says, I need to get myself going and not rely on my teammates. And that's just not how you can play. You can't have those many guys in your team. Terrence Ross is the guy on our team that does that. Terrence Ross is the guy I need to get myself going. You know what? It's because when he gets himself going, he'll score 32 points. Evan, when you get yourself going, you still only finish with 18 to 22 points if it's a really, really good night for you. Well, T. Ross lifts the team, too. And and then that's the other thing, too. When Evan does it, it only brings Evan's game up. It doesn't bring anyone else's game up. He's a guy that when Terrence Ross hits three straight three-pointers in a game, Evan Fournier will come down and take a three himself because he says, I need to get going too because sure. that guy's going. And I sure. don't like that kind of play. I think it's very selfish. And I think that, yeah, I, he's not a guy that I would want a part of that core. There may be something to that. I haven't noticed it as much as you have. I do know this. He plays well with Nick Vucevic. Yes, he does. That's, that's the one guy on the roster he does well, play with. Always, always. Which always. was a very, very contentious thing when Victor Oladipo was here. Absolutely. And something that Vic has complained about the yeah. fact that Evan Fournier and Nick Vucevic played their game. And Vuce has actually done an incredible job this year, opening up his game and opening up everyone else's game. His passing his has passing gotten, so gotten incredible. Yeah. And, the, and you would think that that would kind of trickle down to Evan, but yet Evan still only plays a two man game with Nick Vucevic. And there was that fast break earlier on in the year too, in the same exact series, a three on one fast break. Evan uh-huh. takes it right at the guy one, whereas DJ's wide open on the other side of the lane. It's just little things like that, yeah. that you notice if you just focus on Evan Fournier for four or five game stretch, you'll see little instances of it. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm not saying that's the only way he plays, but you see it at times where no, it's he's just... not a selfish player. He has selfish tendencies. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, that's I think a better that's, way. I think that's a good way to put it, but I do believe that Evan Fournier is the guy. If you're going to point to one guy is the guy that could very well be on the trading block this summer. Yeah. And yeah. He, play, he plays hard defensively, which I like a lot about him. He's a guy that won't back down on anyone. He won't, he's not afraid to go after anyone. But I just think when you look at the core that we have here, he is the the puzzle piece that just doesn't quite fit. Yeah, so I think of the of all the guys that are on this team that we expect maybe to be traded to be moved, I would agree. It would be Evan Fournier, perhaps. Um that could be on the move here. Uh we got a lot of the offseason to get to, of course. We'll talk to Jeff Weltman later in the week. I I think. Uh we'll get we'll try to talk with Steve Clifford, get everyone here on the podcast as well. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to end this without saying good season for the Orlando Magic. Yep. 42 great, and 40. Great season great for season. the Orlando Magic. Um, successful season, made the playoffs. It was fun covering Magic basketball for the first time Finally. in my six, seven years of covering. <laughs> it's back, man. Yeah. It, it's back. We just need to keep going. Yep. Next year expectation, championship. <laughs>
Love we'll it. talk to you later this week. This has been the Hard Hustle Podcast. He is Scott Inez. You can catch him weekdays on ESPN 580 Orlando, 580 AM, 96.5 FM HD 2, 4 to 6 PM. I'm Nick Grunowitz. You can also follow Scotty on Twitter at Inez Says. You can follow me at ESPN 580. Nick, you can catch me uh, on ESPN 580 as well, pretty much wherever uh, wherever we're doing some local programming, except Saturday mornings, 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 580, where you can catch Chris Crawford on the fan zone. I've been banned from that uh, local programming. But until next time, I'm Nick Grunowitz for Chris Crawford, Scott Inez. Go Magic, and we'll talk off season next time. Thanks for tuning in.